This is the beginning of the Central Division podcast. Commence, Michael. commence speaking, David. <laughs> I like it. We, it's we very should official. I think we for one episode we should hire someone to like edit, add <laughs> sound effects, music, <laughs> right. In, right? Make it super pro, just out of the right. blue, nowhere. Right. It's like we've been doing Reservoir Dogs, and then now it's Pulp Fiction. It's like when the <laughs> independent filmmaker gets the big budget, and all of a sudden it's. Like, oh, you're right. You couldn't see anyone's face. It wasn't lit properly. <laughs> Uh, it's like Soderbergh, you know, like we go shoot most of the time we're shooting on a handheld, you know, and the whole productions in 14 days. And then, you know, and then when you look back at it years later, it's like, Oh, it's a great movie with terrible white balance the entire time. You know, that guy. <laughs> um, what's up? How are you? So, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking like we're on a zoom and, uh, I think a year ago or, 13 months ago, you even having Zoom in your vocabulary would have felt weird. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I'm I don't think anything has become part of our lives at that speed. I mean, it will re really maybe this will happen more in the future where something is unknown and the technology comes in and completely changes the way we do things or represents a change of the way we do things. But Zoom, man, I don't I. I definitely was not on the um, the teleconferencing <laughs> cutting edge. You know, I saw uh, our mutual friend, Jeff Shackelford, who has a oh, yeah. won wonderful new golf related uh, newsletter called the Quadrilateral, mm. um, which is a little bit of a tongue twister. But he was using I saw this week he was using Zoom as a verb and it really hurt. You know, <laughs> I just like I, I don't think like I think we're all ready to have Zoom in our lives, but not to be like, oh, are you let's zoom in to. Uh. You know, or like, yeah, you know, we zoomed, zoomed a coffee. Just can, can we not do that? Well, I feel like it's it's already evolved so much that now people are asking to do this, like meet up that way. People I don't know, and and that is definitely a firm. As Chris Black would say, no, no dog. <laughs> no dog. Uh, I don't need to be zooming in with coffee for someone I've never met before I've, about I've, about I've some done, idea they have. I've done a couple of those and they've been pretty fun. And then there's been others that have been very difficult, uh, you know, just in terms of awkwardness. Sure. It's, it's always funny to me when I was sort of teaching my my parents just FaceTime, which wasn't that long ago. And they would, I, I think my dad would set the phone down and so you'd kind of see the ceiling and part of his head. And it was just <laughs> like perfect, kind of exactly captured his, I mean, he understood what it was supposed to do, but not enough to continue to look into the camera. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, you know, I, I have a, I have a, this isn't a theory. I don't want to go into that. I don't even want to think about theories. Honestly, I'm mentally exhausted from that whole conversation still like a week later. Um, but when I'm in work meetings, one out of every eight zoom video conference meetings, like conference meetings, I just don't turn my camera on one out of eight. So they never know if they're going to see me or not. I like it. And that way it's like, if you're always there, yeah. like one day you go out and you do something, you know, and you're like, all right, I'm going to squeeze this tennis in before my meeting or whatever it is, you know, for you, it's, I'm going to go shovel Christopher street or whatever. Sure. Um, you know, they're always expecting you, but if you just randomly don't show up, you know, don't video on one time, then it keeps them guessing, you know, I like that. It's a strategy. 
That's very, see, you're very involved about this. You've, you've already thought it out. I, I was I'm laying the it, groundwork to go out and play golf, you know? So like then I'm <laughs> exactly. like playing golf and they're not going to think it's strange that I'm not, you know, they're going to be like, Oh, he's playing golf. Right. It, it's very much, um, now we we've evolved so much that we're assessing other people's interiors. And I, I was on a meeting the other day with someone in London who had the most beautiful apartment and he seemed like he was far enough back from the camera that he, it was really speaking of, it was sort of zooming out as it were. So you could see quite a bit of it. And I was trying to decide most of the meeting, if he was doing that on purpose, I was completely distracted by what I thought were his tactics, but may have just been accidental. You know, I had a, I had a zoom meeting. No, I had a video conference, whatever, with a guy that I didn't know that I got introduced to who um, he's actually like one of the founders of pitchfork. And, oh. and so we were talking and he, like his scene, I, I was thinking, well, let me just back up one sec. I was thinking I'm going to make it through the whole pandemic and never have a good background in any video <laughs> conference. Right. Cause I'm just okay, like, I like it right now. I'm like in this, like, I'm in the, I'm in, I do all of this stuff from our guest house, which is yeah. amazing. And like, there's a little kitchenette and a bathroom and no one ever bothers me. And I can like, it's just like the zone. It's super quiet. I can focus and whatever, but I just don't, I don't, I just don't have the room set up where it can have a great background. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So I'm, I have this meeting with this guy, Chris and, his scene is like perfect. It's like the couch, the plant, the bookshelf. Yeah. It's like mid-century furniture, mm. like seated in some sort of like Amesy chair. Yeah. And then he has his microphone on like literally like something you would see on stage. Like it swings over <laughs> to him. Right. Yeah. I was like, and he like swung it over when we started. Nice. Right. And nice. I was like, this is this is like next level. I don't know if he's like, do if that's just like what he had to work with or if he like actively set that up, but it's a good, I guess that's a good lead into like what we're going to talk about, which is like work from home. Yeah. Modern, the modern reality of, uh, I don't even know a pandemic life or how do you, you know, I mean, you well, there was, I read that interesting article and we'll, we'll share it in the notes, oh, yeah. but by, um, John Seabrook in the New Yorker, I'm sure some of you saw it about kind of the new office and the evolving office. And he started by talking about how he worked at the New Yorker in a cubicle when he was young and kind of the history of the ideas of utopian office spaces and how the man who invented and also names for all of these things, which there are theories behind all yeah. of this type of thing, but, and, and how we now are, um, it's evolved because of technology companies who were the first companies in the 80s and 90s to have open um, plans in their offices. And now we are evolving again because of Zoom and teleconferencing and also, of course, a pandemic. And it's a pretty interesting, I, I think he talks at one point to someone, the people who design offices at the highest end for creative agencies and technology companies are incredibly brilliant people, uh, engineers and designers, as you'd expect. But one of them said... When you're talking about designing an office, you're talking about how people behave and how people act and what they need, which, of course, is what all design is. But office, because it's a place you spend so much time, is really a bigger kind of a bigger decision and bigger commitment. And I was really taken by that, partly because I'm sort of anti-office and have always been a freelance kind of work from home person. Not always. And <laughs> briefly you worked at Bergdorf I know and one of the things I asked them was if will I have my own office and they said yes and I got there and it was as bad as an office could be but it still was private and I think for me 
privacy is very important. Was it like best but, in show, like that hotel room, <laughs> the storage yeah, closet? <laughs> it's sort of interior. It, there was enough space. It just was the bad lighting, the bad carpet, and no view, particularly, and surrounded by kind of clackety PR girls who believed in what they were doing, and me who maybe didn't or half believed in it. Um, like, but I'd it's loved, an interesting I'd, thing. I'd have loved to have been a fly on the wall listening to them <laughs> talk about you. Oh, my God. They were insane. I mean, I was... Uh, they understood the fact that I barely belong there. And um, I, but I was also sort of invisible to them because I just, I might as well have been 80 years old. <laughs> um, but so how is it, things have changed for you working from home. Actually, one of the things that said in the article that the people, many, many people like it and feel more productive, but the people who not struggle, but yeah, struggle with it or are most skeptical about working from home are people with young children. Yeah, I think if in that category. I, yeah, I think if you're if you're in the situation where your kids aren't going to school and they're and they're old enough to be sitting through multiple hours of school, you know, remotely every day, you can't be happy about what's right. going on. You know, just from like a straight functional standpoint. I mean, the burden on those people it's it's just so massive. You know, I think my situation's a little different. Our children are younger. Um yeah. I think the work from home thing is, you know, I think it's different for everyone. I could see how it would be more productive. Um, it doesn't necessarily lead to not working very well, which is, I think, kind of a problem. Like you end up just working all the time and everything mm -hmm. runs into the time before it. And, you know, it's I don't know, the boundaries have gone away and sort of everyone expects everyone to be around all the time, which I think is challenging. But I don't know. I I. I like I can function working from home and half of my career I worked from home and then half I either had like had a desk in an, a client's office or we had our own office. Um, and I always had the flexibility of choosing if I wanted to go in or not, um, which I think is sort of the sweet spot. I mean, at least for me, like it's nice to be able to what I would what I prefer to do would be to work from home from like whenever I start eight. 38 to 11 and then go into the office, you know, mm -hmm. or go in at lunch and then spend half of the day in the office or something like that. Like just the flexibility to do that to me is, is really good. But I, you know, I think a lot of people, everyone's saying like office space is dead and you know, this offices are never going to come back and in city centers and all that stuff. I just don't think that's true. I think. No, um, I, I don't either. I think it's, there has to be some balance because you still, I mean, the, the term meeting is you can think of the worst thing you've ever sat through. And for me, when I was at we did the weekly status meeting at Bergdorf Goodman. And for some reason, like people brought their lunch there. And I thought if I'm ever in a position of power, my rules <laughs> will be absolutely no food in my presence. I don't in any situation. <laughs> I do not want to see you're eating a, a, a salad out of a plastic bowl recyclable bowl and drinking out of a huge thing of seltzer. In any case, I feel, I think something about it to me, that's interesting. I mean, you do still get good ideas face to face and that's always going to be an issue. And I don't think there's any company that doesn't think um, they want people from different disciplines coming together. That's the idea of sort of how mm -hmm. Bloomberg's offices, how all tech offices are designed. So you have engineers coming together with creative people and marketing, and they even call them sort of inter interchanges or junctions, or they give it some name. And you're going to need that. And you're going to need to meet with clients and all of that sort of thing. So you're going to have, I think, in a way, one of the things they talked about in this article is that they have 
many more meeting spaces. And then some of them are more formal and some of them are more private. And then they have desks that are kind of first come first serve. So yeah. you don't have, and you, then you have your own locker, but you don't have your own desk. And that can be people. Some people like that. Some people want to have their own space, but you can reserve them if there's one you really prefer. And that seems like a pretty good situation. We worked with them. Um, I did some work with American Express and they all of their, or I don't know, must've been a section of their office, downtown New York was all hot desks. So you just go mm-hmm. the night before and reserve it or whatever, mm-hmm. maybe day of, I don't know how it worked. I think it was an online thing. So like they kind of had like lockers and mm-hmm. or like you had like a little area you could put your things and then there's desks around whatever, which is, I think pretty cool. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that. I think that's, I think that's a good idea. I, you know, I, I think people, the other thing about work from home is not to keep, you know, we can come back to sort of specific design things if you want to, but the ability for people to be able to be productive when they feel productive of versus, versus like going into an office and right. forcing productivity from 9am to 6pm or whatever, you know, I think that's the craziest thing. And that for my, the people that work with me, you know, my team, I, I always just say, well, you just work whenever you feel, you know, well, I don't care when you work, you know, you, you have to be responsive to a degree, but you know, if you're, most productive at night you should work at night you know i think the reason why these conversations are always going to be interesting particularly in america is because americans have a very i want to say complicated relationship to work but in fact it's pretty simple it's this idea of your work should be rewarding should be your life and we work too much i mean for people who travel to europe a lot they're shocked by a different kind of relationship to work that Mm -hmm. people have there. And I think in a way, the, I mean, one thing I was shocked by in my brief corporate time at Bergdorf Goodman was how kind of hard everyone else worked and not always worked hard, the illusion of working hard. They didn't want to act like they had anything to do outside of work. They didn't want to act like they were ever unavailable. And that was important to them and their supervisors. To me, I and I understood why they did it and I would never judge them for it, but I didn't like the the setting where you are forced to act like something matters, first of all, more than it does. And second of all, I don't know if it makes the most sense. And partly because the type of work I do very much does not depend on, I mean, there are a lot of people, writers, designers who can do something effectively in a certain amount of time that has nothing to do. It could take an hour or eight hours or a week or eight weeks. And you don't, um, it doesn't, it's not, it's not like a factory work where your, your productivity is directly related to how much time you put in. And I think it's important to understand that. So if, I, if and that happens, if, if I hire a designer to work for me, I don't ask, I mean, I give them a project fee. And if they do it, well, I don't care if it takes them an hour or a week, as long as the work is good. Not everybody has that same relationship yeah. to their, the, and it sounds like you do, you just want them to do it well by the time that you have set, set aside or, you know, need it. It's like all those companies that I know Netflix is like this. There's other companies that do this, but the, you know, Netflix doesn't have a vacation policy. They just say you take vacation when you need to, like, you know, what you do, you know, you know, what's important when you need to be around or when you don't. Mm. And it's, it's on you to take vacation whenever you, 
want to, right? We trust you basically. Mm. And to me, that's like a job versus a career, mm. right? So it's like looking at people like this is your career, mm. you know, if we trust you to do the right thing because this, your tie, your success is tied to this as well. Right. I, you know, there was an, there was an article in the Atlantic about Sunday scaries. It was actually about like how civilization like has broken people's brains, whatever, but it mm -hmm. talks in there. They talk about Sunday scaries, which is thankfully something I've like never really experienced. Can you um, remind me what that is? Oh, like it's like, to go it's, back like to work the, the yeah, it's like the dread on Sunday at like yeah. 4 p.m. that like, sure. oh, I have to like go to work tomorrow. I mean, I've had a little bit of it, but generally like I haven't had to deal with it because I kind of choose who I work with and what I do and whatever. Um, but they were in that article, they were talking about the competitiveness and sort of why people work so much. Um, and, and I might be getting some of this wrong. And I, you know, this was a while ago and, and a long story that I listened to this, but you know, the idea that professional life has made everyone feel like they're dispensable, right? And there's sort of like no security in, there's no real security in jobs. And so everyone has to constantly be trying to climb up the ladder of proving how much they're right. committed. And to your point, it's like, be, you know, always only caring about work and being afraid to say, like, I'm also do interested in this. And for the, you know, they, their employer might get nervous that they're not right. as engaged as they should be, right, right. you know? And to me, like that's, that stuff's crazy, you know? <laughs> it's tough because you, you've got the, I think we've got, you know, the economy works different ways and people, people's area of specialty works different ways. And so in some cases, if you're getting ready for the Super Bowl and you're on one of those teams, you are looking at film, until 10 at night, every night. And there's a limited amount of time to learn as much as you can. And, yeah. and there actually are benefits to what you're doing. And then if you're uh, somebody else, you might not have that relationship at all. If you're a painter or something like that, or, and um, I think we don't, we don't, maybe we've never, we haven't had these really good, important discussions. I mean, we talk about live work balance, but I don't know if we've gotten to the point where people can say, this doesn't matter to me as much as I thought it did. You've been listening to a free preview of Central Division, a podcast and newsletter between David Coggins and Michael Williams. To access all of our podcasts and all of our newsletters, visit centraldivision.substack.com. Thank you.